Miss Dynamite, Stephanie Chiz here, coming to you with another special podcast episode. Now, last week, I was joined by Benno as we took a special look at Nick Gage and his career after he was announced as Chris Jericho's opponent for the second Labour of Jericho. Now, that podcast was a lot of fun to do. And of course, Chris Jericho beat Nick Gage. And if you want to know my thoughts on that match, you can listen to the most recent edition of AEW Weekly. But after the match, MJF announced who the third labor of Jericho would be. And I couldn't be more excited because Jericho's third labor is his old WCW rival, Juventud Guerrera. Now, when I was listing off possible opponents that they could bring in for Jericho here, once it became clear that they weren't just picking from the AEW roster, Hoovy was really high on my list. And that's because if any of you have listened to my podcast, I previously did about how I started watching wrestling and my whole story that has led me to being an AEW fan. You will know that I started watching with WCW. WCW was the first wrestling that I ever watched. And if you were to ask me what were some of my most standout moments from watching WCW in the period that I did in the late 90s before I jumped ship over to WWE, one of the moments that stands out so much is the feud between Chris Jericho and Juventud Guerrero, especially when Hoovy lost his mask. If I had quit watching wrestling in 97 or 98, all these years later, if you were to ask me something I remember, it would be Hoovy losing his mask. So I'm very hyped to see Hoovy and Jericho in the ring together again. And to see Hoovy back on TNT as well. It, I think it's such a great idea. It really rewards people like me that have been watching for a really long time. But I think another thing I would love for it to do is educate people on parts of Jericho's career history that they might not be as familiar with because I'm sure there are a lot of people watching who have not seen these WCW days and this period of his career in WCW. I would probably say it's my favorite period of his career, but I don't want to say that because he hasn't had his final match yet and I feel like everything he's done in AEW so far will when all is said and done, end up being my favorite period of Jericho's career. So what this episode is going to be is a little history of the feud between Chris Jericho and Juventud Guerrero in WCW. I'm going to talk about most of the televised matches that they had together. There's a lot of house show matches, um, but I will be talking about most of the televised matches they had together, which start in 1997 before they have their final match together in early 1999. I'll not go into every match in depth or anything like that, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about what was going on, the storyline, some highlights, and it is a really great period to watch. Some of this stuff, the beginning of it, I would have been watching at the time on Nitro before I... 
I jumped to WWE for SummerSlam 1998 in that period. So once that was over, I wasn't watching Nitro on a week-to-week basis like I used to, but I would check back in with it from time to time. But this is all stuff that I have gone back and watched many times since the WWE Network came into existence. And the great thing about looking at the Jericho Hooventude feud is that it has crossover with Jericho's feud with Dean Malenko, which is iconic. There are so many uh, iconic moments in that feud that you may have seen clips or little bits of, but I will, during this podcast, be urging you to go back and properly watch. I have no idea how many matches I watched exactly over the past couple of days to do this podcast, and not just matches, segments as well. I watched a lot of Nitro matches. I watched a few pay-per-view matches. I tried to find some WCW Saturday night matches. I even watched a Thunder match. And I have to say, it has been so enjoyable. Every single thing I've watched has been fantastic. Even if it's not a great match, you know, not the best match I've ever seen, there will always be something memorable about every single match. And that's really just down to how great Jericho's heel character was at this time, how much he added to it just these little things that he would do during matches or promos he always left you with something memorable and it's been really nice and cool to go back and watch something that I would have watched as a child and still enjoy it as an adult because that's not always the case when you go back and revisit these things and that doesn't just apply to wrestling and it's also been interesting because right now we are in one of the most exciting periods in wrestling that I think there's ever been since the days of WCW. There is so much happening right now and many people are saying this feels like the height of the Monday Night Wars 1997, 1998 and I very much agree. Watching these WCW matches we're looking at a time when WCW was good and it would not be long before they had to shut down their doors. The problem with WCW, and it's so evident if you watch, if you take a wrestler like Jericho and you watch this period, they just did not properly invest in their young talent. You had Hulk Hogan at the top of WCW and you could not get past Hulk Hogan. And I, as I've said, I have a bias against Hulk Hogan just because Macho Man was my first favorite wrestler. But Hogan and how he wielded his power at the top, along with the people that were in his little group, it was all about them. And it wasn't about recognizing the talent and the fan connection that a Jericho had. And on that note, I last year interviewed Eric Bischoff and he was fantastic. You know, it was amazing to interview Eric Bischoff, someone who I watched so much on TV. And I know that he's basically friends with everyone now and him and Jericho obviously have a really good relationship. We've seen Eric Bischoff on Dynamite. But one thing I will say that I very much disagreed with when I talked to him 
is I did ask him about missed opportunities there were in WCW. And one of the things he said was something along the lines of, well, some people might say a Chris Jericho, but what they need to remember is Chris Jericho wasn't Chris Jericho in WCW. And having watched him at the time he was in WCW and now going back and watching all of this, I strongly disagree with the statement. Chris Jericho was Chris Jericho in WCW. He had a character that was fully formed. He was fully getting over with the fans. He was always coming up with new and innovative ideas. He was the Chris Jericho that would go on to become a top star in WWE. And it's just unfortunate that for whatever reason, that wasn't recognized in WCW. But let's get into it. So for my research, I have been using Cage Match, which I know isn't always 100% accurate to get the matches from. I unfortunately don't have the complete list of Jericho book. It is on its way. I think it's currently in Switzerland. Um, And I've also looked through wrestling observers from the time to get any extra details. And if I get any of the dates or orders of anything wrong, I do apologize. I've written so, so many notes for this. And if I pronounce anyone's name wrong, I also apologize. Hello, I am from Belfast. So firstly, I want to point out that they did have a match in 1996 in the war promotion. Yes, wrestling and romance. I'm low-key obsessed with war. It was Landstorm, Rey Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon and Yuji Yasuruka defeating Gato, Justin Thunderliger, Juventud Guerrero and Liondo, who is Chris Jericho. Then in 1996, they were in a WCW 60-man battle royal, which I definitely did not watch. But their first one-on-one match happens on the 30th of June, 1997. It is a Nitro match for the WCW World Cruiserweight title. Uh, This is interesting because Jericho had just won the Cruiserweight title in a non-televised match against Six, aka X-Pac, from the NWO. This match I thought was pretty fun. It's not one of Hoobie's best matches. I think he was yet to really find his footing in WCW here. But it was interesting to watch because it really showed how difficult the WCW NWO heel babyface dynamic was at the time because Jericho was being touted as the hero of WCW because he brought a championship back to WCW away from the NWO. But the way he was in this match, I felt he was very much not a babyface. He was way too cocky to be a babyface. And the crowd did seem to be booing him quite a lot. And I just think that's where the difficulty came in sometimes with the WCW versus NWO storyline because after the match we see X-Pac come out and X-Pac's the cool heel so people are cheering for him and he cuts a promo on Jericho where he basically makes a masturbation joke saying that Jericho beat nothing on Saturday until he went back to his hotel room And although Jericho gestures at the remark, he doesn't say anything back to him. And yeah, it was just funny to see. This is really Jericho 
getting into his heel character in WCW, but because of this NWO dynamic, it's like, well, NWO are the heels and the WCW guys are the faces. But then we fast forward to January 19th, 1998. This is a much better performance from Juvie and Jericho is fully in his heel character now where he was a total crybaby. This match happened uh, before sold out where he was going to face Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight title. You get the early Jericho tropes in here that made this character so memorable. You get a come on baby. And as I said, Hoovy's a lot better in this match. He shows a lot of fire. One thing that really annoyed me about this match, and this happens throughout these matches, so I'll just bring it up now, was the commentary. The commentary, looking back, and I know we were talking earlier about why WCW failed. This is a really great example of it. There are so many spots that Jericho is doing in this match and little things that play into the storyline of his character and everything like that. And the commentary team are talking about other things. They're talking about Hulk Hogan. I think this might be the match where they were talking about Dennis Rodman, but they are not giving this match their attention. And it's frustrating as a viewer to watch because they are giving off the impression if the commentary team don't care, why should you? And it's annoying because the guys in the ring are doing such great stuff that why is the commentary team just here talking about other guys on the card? It's annoying. But Jericho's heel work is really good in this. He gets very frustrated. Um, and then in the end, Juvie does tap out to the lion tamer but Jericho does not let go after the bell rings and then he does a great promo after where he says that he didn't realize who he tapped out the referee didn't make it clear enough and that he's a man of honor and integrity and it will never happen again and he says sorry to Hoovy, but Hoovy doesn't acknowledge him so he attacks him and then Rey Mysterio comes out for the save so after that, Jericho beats Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight title. The next Nitro, he comes out with the belt and wearing a Rey Mysterio t-shirt, as he says, as a tribute. He attacked Rey post-match and he tore, Rey tore his ACL and needs knee surgery. Chris fake tr- cries about it. And this is where he starts saying that he takes things from opponents. So from Ray, he's like taking his knee. Then after this, Jericho did a lot of teaming with Eddie Grow on Nitro. And there was also a WCW Saturday night where Hoovy helped Ray Mysterio after he was attacked by Jericho. So then we're getting into the build for the title versus mask match, which happens at Super Bowl 8. So about 10 days before that, Hoovy defeats El Dandy and Jericho comes out and Hoovy cuts a promo on him in Spanish. But Jericho kind of talks over him a bit, saying that he can speak 10 languages. He knows what Hoovy's saying. Hoovy wants a shot. Jericho has a great line where he calls him a flash in the pan, a one hit wonder like Dexy's Midnight Runners, which made me laugh a lot. Little side note story when I was a kid I heard Dexy's Midnight Runners come on Eileen I loved it so much that me and my parents were on an eight-hour drive and I made them play that song on repeat for hours and hours 
And the next day, when I said to my dad, have you got the Dexys Midnight Runners CD? He told me that it broke. And I believed that until I was about 18. And my mom told me that the CD never broke. They just never, ever wanted to hear Come On Eileen again. Anyway, Hoovy's cutting this promo. And you can hear that he says mascara. He mentions his mask. So Jericho says that Hoovy is putting up his mask in the Cruiserweight title match. So we get to Super Bowl. The mask is on the line. Jericho comes out in an amazing waistcoat that's all WCW at the side and then with his own face in the back. He tears up a fan sign. He's doing just great heel work here. When the match starts, he won't take off his belt. That was a thing that he would do quite a lot. He would not take off his belt. Uh, It's put over in commentary, I think, by Bobby Heaton, who says that Jericho's belt is his like binky Um, and that he won't take it off there's some great stuff in this match like he does a great fake pretending to be hurt at one point Hoovy does get him down for the pin but Jericho holds the rope but eventually Jericho catches him in midair and turns it into a lion tamer for the submission victory this match everyone should watch this there's a lot of stuff that you will see in these Jericho matches that is such great heel work that heels nowadays would it would really serve them well to implement some of this stuff and I can think of one person that I feel has probably watched a lot of this and that's Britt Baker I know she's said that Jericho's helped her a lot and she really does seem like the one person that has taken some stuff from his WCW days and kind of repackaged it for a modern audience and that's really good but this match actually won the best match poll in the Wrestling Observer it got 76 votes or 76 percent of the votes Uncle Dave went three and three quarter stars. Now, the other great thing about this match is, of course, the post-match. So Jericho had been playing up that Hoovy was ugly under the mask and that we wouldn't want to see Hoovy unmasked because it was so bad. And I will say, as a side note, I've been reading a lot about this. I think that Hoovy maybe didn't want to lose his mask like this maybe he didn't want to lose it so quickly with quite a short build and that it was a a Bischoff idea and it did really mean a lot to Hoovy to to lose his mask and he is crying when he takes it off but Jericho's doing uh, A plus heel work here he says that Hoovy's ugly and of course if you know what Hoovy looked like back in 1998 you will know how funny that comment is I even as a very young child got the joke there because Hoovy was anything but ugly Dave even mentions in his review that there was a noticeable female pop when his mask came off Uh, and there was indeed but Jericho would continue on with this calling Hoovy ugly and it is pretty funny yeah because young Hoovy Wow. So we move on a month later and Jericho is in his Dean Malenko feud. We're in March 1998. It's spring break, which wonderful setup here. If I could see AEW take anything more from WCW, I would say please do the spring break with the water around the ring. I 
I love that so much. It's such an amazing visual. So he beats Hoovy here, but really he he's turned his attention to Dean Malenko. Uh, this is a pretty good match. Uh, really fun. Hoovy's great in it. Jericho is awesome as well, just being the absolute worst crybaby type. And as I said, for the setup of spring break it is worth watching alone if you've never seen what those nitros had looked like i'm telling you for a little girl in belfast that's what america was to me and then when we get to march 30th 1998 that is when jericho does his famous man of a thousand and four holes promo that you've maybe seen bits of but i'm just giving that a mention there as something to absolutely check out on the april 20th edition of nitro he defeats hoovy again this has a fantastic ending because hoovy does not give up in the lion tamer he actually passes out and the ref calls for stoppage uh, jericho who sells it hilariously by saying oh my god i killed hoovy uh, it's really really funny at this point he's also collecting things from his opponents so he has Hoobie's mask he has a like robe belonging to Prince Ikea and he says that he has Dean Malenko's career because he talks about Dean being retired Dean had actually taken some time off to have surgery but we would see um like Dean's brother would come out he made Jericho made a lot of references to Dean's father who had passed away and got away with that the feud that Jericho managed to carry on with Dean Malenko with Dean Malenko not even being there is an absolute masterclass. Hoovy did manage to defeat Jericho on May 5th 1998 on WCW Saturday night in a cruiserweight title lumberjack match which for the life of me I could not find online. I don't know where it is maybe I was just <laughs> missing it but this one I could not find. So now we're at May and this Slambury pay-per-view which is a great beat in this storyline that's been going on between Jericho and Dean Malenko with Hoovy having some involvement. So a battle royal was set up where you would have this battle royal and Jericho would immediately have to defend his title against the winner. However, all these guys will have just had a match. So when this is brought to him on Nitro, he's like, yeah, I like those odds. So he comes out to do the ring entrance for every wrestler in the Battle Royal. And he has some really, really funny lines. Like he calls El Dandy the winner of the Lou Ferringo lookalike contest. He calls Hoovy the ugliest wrestler alive. He says he's never heard of Johnny Swinger. He says Damien painted his face because he couldn't afford a mask. It's really, really funny stuff. And then he says that he'll watch backstage with a coffee because none of these guys can beat him. It is notable that out of everyone, Hoovy got the biggest cheer. But the Battle Royal came down to a masked wrestler called Cyclope, which I'm probably saying wrong. It comes down to him and Hoovy, and they stand there for a couple of minutes, and then Hoovy just eliminates himself. And it turns out that under this Cyclope mask was Dean Malink. Jericho is, of course, furious but then he has to go straight into a match with Dean Malenko and he ends up tapping out to Malenko's Texas Cloverleaf. 
this is absolutely worth a watch and this is what kickstarts one of the another just great memorable run of segments this is where Jericho becomes the conspiracy victim he believes that there is a conspiracy against him because Dee Malenko was never listed as one of the entrants in the battle royal he does some fantastic promos and vignettes for this we have him doing an interview on nitro where his dad ted irvine appears and tells him off for being such a crybaby we have him writing a letter to ted turner getting a letter back from ted turner where ted turner says that his wife jane who is of course jane fonda enjoys watching him but the letter basically ends with Ted Turner saying, no, I'm not stripping Dean Malenko of the title belt. And Jericho's left holding the letter going, what about Jane? And then there's also the fantastic video where he goes to Washington to try and speak to the president about what's happened because he wants to go over J.J. Dillon's head. And that is a fantastic piece of wrestling television. Sometimes... Well, really, quite often, comedy can fall flat in wrestling, and this is comedy that absolutely works. And on that Nitro, where Jericho visits Washington, he also has a match with Hoovy. He defeats him with the help of Reese. Remember him? Yeah, I did not remember this guy at all. Then at the Great American Bash, June 14th, the cruiserweight title was vacated by Dean Malenko three days before that, and Jericho beats Malenko via disqualification for the vacant cruiserweight title. Uh, this match is awesome. This is, I think, my favorite of all the matches that I lost because there was such great heat in it. The finish would usually fall flat, like Malenko losing by disqualification, but they keep on fighting and they end up fighting onto the street. Jericho gets thrown into a post box and the only reason he gets away is because he runs into a building across the street. Just wonderful chicken shit heel stuff. So really things come to an end between Jericho and Hoovy at WCW Road Wild 1998. If you've never seen a Road Wild, watch it in small doses it is at Sturgis it's a lot of bikers um it's a lot of bikers watching wrestling basically and this match Dean Malenko is the special guest referee Jericho always putting in some music references he starts his promo saying I want you to want me and Mike Tanay says well he is the master of the cheap trick isn't he this match was really really good uh, especially the finish. It also won the best match poll in the Wrestling Observer, uh, getting 103 votes. Dave Meltzer says, if Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrero had never taken place, this would be the single worst pay-per-view show in history. And if only Dave had had a crystal ball to see what was to become. So the finish is that Jericho's on the top rope and he kicks Malenko and then Hoovy runs at Malenko and Malenko propels him in midair into a Frankensteiner off the top onto Jericho for the pin. Absolutely fantastic finish. It looked so, so cool. Uh, Dave gave this one 
three and a half stars. I'd give it a four star match. It was great. It had great heat from the crowd and just what a finish. It looked beautiful. It was so well executed. So after this, Jericho really moves on to the television title picture. He moves on from the cruiserweight division into the television title picture. Him and Hoovy have one last match together televised, which is, I do think it's interesting that they had quite a few house show matches together when Jericho was television champion, but none of these matches were televised. Hoovy never got a televised um, television championship shot and I wonder why that is unless there was one televised that I just couldn't see but it seems that it was just in house shows that they were continuing to wrestle each other but on the 18th of February 1999 Jericho and Hoovy have their last WCW match together it takes place on a thunder I thought the match was pretty good but you could really feel how much Hoovy's stock had fallen he wasn't really presented as a big deal at all, certainly not the way he had been in some of the earlier matches. What's notable for this match, if you want to go back and watch it, this was during Jericho's feud with Perry Saturn, where Perry Saturn had just lost a match to him where he had to wear a dress. And on this episode of Thunder, Jericho brings out Ralphus in a dress. So if you want to see Ralphus in a dress, it is on this edition of Thunder. But watching back all these matches and following along with the storyline, it was so great. And I watched a lot of the Dean Malenko matches too as well. I watched a lot of the promos. And as I keep saying, I highly recommend just go on Cage Match and begin just before the title versus mask match in Jericho's career and just go right the way through until the match with Malenko as special guest referee because you are watching... Just absolute gold there. Hoovy was a great opponent for Jericho at this time because Jericho had really found himself as his heel character. He was so obnoxious. He was so over the top. He was doing his full, you know, David Lee Roth <laughs> over the top like cheese. And Hoovy was very much the opposite. He was more dignified, quiet. He was very sympathetic. Him losing the mask, it's a really interesting thing to watch because it is sad. Like It's genuinely sad to see a luchador lose their mask, something that means so much to them and something that has family history. It is sad. And I feel for Hoovy, especially with whatever the circumstances were backstage with Bischoff, but Jericho, you can't help but laugh at at the lines that he's delivering. It's very memorable, just the reveal of Hoobie and his mask. And maybe I like it because I've always liked a mask reveal. If you watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which is my first favorite movie, when Alan Rickman reveals himself from behind a mask at the beginning of this movie, it's like, wow. Um, and I just thought Hoovy's mask reveal was really, really great. And Hoovy was great in WCW for a period. I think when he was motivated and had a really good opponent like Jericho, he did some of his best work. And Dean Malenko was just fantastic. He was so opposite to Jericho as well. I mean, his nickname was the Iceman. And he was 
the best person you could have chosen to be the baby face against Jericho when Jericho is doing all this conspiracy victim stuff and like just won't shut up and Dean is there completely stony faced listening to it. So there you have it. That is the history of Jericho and Juventugler on WCW ahead of their match on Wednesday on Dynamite. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I can't wait to see them in the ring together again. I think they should bring in Mike Tanay to do some commentary. Imagine Mike Tanay in the same booth as Excalibur. That would be fantastic. And Tony Schiavone there as well. And at least we know they won't be talking about Hulk Hogan during the match. As for the other labors, it's hard to predict because I think now that Hoovy's been announced, Everyone thinks the next person will be someone from Jericho's past too, which isn't necessarily correct because Nick Gage wasn't someone from his past, but I know a lot of people want Lance Storm. I don't think it will be Lance Storm. I think if they have a match together, it will be during um, a retirement tour. If they're going to bring someone from his past, Ultimo Dragon would be probably the one I'd want the most. Um, Other than that, I think Fandango would pop a lot of people. But whoever it is, hopefully I will do a little podcast about it. Uh, And I hope you have enjoyed this one. And I can't stress enough, go back and watch this stuff. It's on the WWE Network. It's better than any of the current stuff on the WWE Network. You'll really learn something. But thank you all so much for watching. And I will catch you next time.